Welcome everybody to another episode of Strife's Sanctum, and this week I'm going to take another detour back into anime, but do something a little different. Uh, I tend to focus on the darker stuff. Sometimes I veer into comedies, as I have been with Toradora and Konosuba lately. This is going to be one that I enjoyed from a different perspective, and this actually goes back 20 years at this point. Because I remember reading this manga way back and really getting into this uh, Emma of Victorian Romance. I don't know if it was based on the stage play or the movie or the TV show. I'm pretty sure it's a stage play. But it, it's a very simple premise. But it was done in a manga form and then got in an anime form. And unfortunately for me, being as somebody that focuses on dubs, I never was able to watch the anime version because mostly it was subbed and I can't really read those. So if anybody wonders why I don't talk about subversions, that's why I can't read them. Um, so I was in a bit of a lurch waiting for... Uh, it's one of those things like you think that a show that you wouldn't hear of and then five or six years ago at this point, I didn't know about it until last year. But I'd heard a report that a Kickstarter was made to get a dub version of this show. A show that was made in 2006. So they had no reason to do it other than Nozomi Entertainment saying, hey, we just want to make a dub version. And they did it. They got enough people to sign off on it. And I'm very grateful for it because I think Emma is one of those subtle favorites of mine. It wasn't anything I was going to write home about and, you know, go gaga over. It's very underrated, and it should be. It's a very simple story. You know what you're getting. It's just a Victorian setting, people and places and romance and subterfuge and love triangles and class warfare, that sort of thing. If you've seen any of those, you've seen this. But it is done in a really good way. And part of that has to do with Emma herself as a character. And the the subtle beauty of the proceedings, the, the faces, the imagery, all this stuff go into play. And even though none of the characters are anything that you haven't seen before, much like Toradora, the writing and you know just the way they do it help it stand out. It does have a bit of an issue being 26 episodes when it could have been 13, but what do I know? This was made back when things were 26 episodes as standard rather than 13. And and I don't hate that. I, I don't hate when a show has too much going on unless it runs out of a story, but when you consider a story like this where Emma falls for a guy she meets, he does the same, they're from two different worlds they have to find ways to stretch that weird story out. And you have these characters that come in and do all these things that, that do work. There is some subtle comedy to be had here and there, mostly by William's friend Hakeem, who's like, <laughs> sole whole thing is just to have, hey, I'm an Indian dude. Let me have Indian things like, like concubines and hookahs and whatever. He's just this weird hippie dude that shows up in this Victorian London setting. He's a prince of India and he's got all these like, it's just, he's a snide son of a bitch. But he falls for Emma too, 
but then drops it when he sees that William is playing for Emma's affections. The problem is Emma's with a lower household, like a government official or former government official uh, known as uh, Kelly Stoner. She wants him, she wants Emma and William together. She sees it. And, and you see it. Whenever you see Emma and William together, they're just made for each other. But everybody is against it. William's family is just hoity-toity. And, like, the the she's like a 12 or 15-year-old girl, Vivian, just keeps yelling at him. And she's just this prissy bitch. And his dad is the problem. Richard Jones has this conglomerate business. And he's like, well, no, we're not going to have you marry a maid. Because, again, it's, it's this guy wants to marry a maid. He's a high society guy. And it just doesn't work. But you see Emma as this street urchin make good story. Because they don't give you everything right away. And I think one of the benefits of waiting to tell that story was you get to see Emma build herself up as this proper maid who basically becomes the best maid you've ever seen just quiet and observant but really helpful and a heart of gold and again this subtle beauty that doesn't really strike you until you just keep watching and you're just like god damn it you want people like that to work because you contrast that with this whole arranged marriage business and unfortunately for the show, one of the weaknesses that you have is the other main love interest is Eleanor Campbell, and she's a stick. She doesn't have really much agency, and she's only there to act as a conduit of what William could be having as a as a marriage partner. But again, you get to see all of the fancy balls and dresses and maids versus the stuffy people. I think what I like most is you get to see everything from Emma's perspective as not this high society person, but a well-to-do living space in Stoner's, you know, mansion and stuff. But then you get to see this high society business tycoon with his princely friend is riding elephants everywhere you get to see this grand 1890s 1900s victorian london scenery and it really draws you in because the characters are very stock but they have a well-meaning to do and a lot of that has to do with the dubbing um i've said before i'm a big fan of dubs and i'm a big fan of Certain voice actors, especially from L.A. and Texas, but they went for a different approach. They actually went for uh, New York actors, uh, people I'd never heard of before. I'm sure they were in shows before or stage plays or whatever, but it's really good acting. You can lose yourself in that when you know that they did something different. They went for New York studios, New York actors, to fit with the show that already had this Victorian aesthetic. I think Victorian aesthetics in anime are cool because they don't fit the same mode as what are the staples? You have the high school setting or they go into the the dark, doomy, like this is an alternate world and whatever and you fight the darkness and whatever. But the alternate world could be just, it's a video game. It's a medieval fantasy setting. No, this is Victorian London. Sure, you get stuff like... Black Butler, uh, Shadow's House, which I'll talk uh, uh, in a couple of weeks. But Emma specifically was done by somebody who really loves that time period, really 
shows off the scenery. The opening intros, there's no vocals. It's just a bunch of like, here's London in in 1895. You got all this stuff. And if you love that time period, love that aesthetic, whether it's wholly accurate or not, because again, this is coming from Japan, so bear that in mind. But you can really lose yourself in those moments. And it really does add to this doesn't feel like either super medieval, like a medieval fantasy setting, but it doesn't feel completely modern either, which is why I do like shows like Black Butler and Emma that do that. So things like this have their own way of standing apart from the crowd. So if you're looking for something that does kind of change the mold without giving you anything that really changes the mold, Emma suits just fine. It's, again, I think the story of this basically this urchin girl working her way up as this proper person who has basically everything against her and everybody's hating her for no reason other than the fact that she's a maid when when you see her she's in the room and she's like the smartest girl or the kindest girl you have ever met and she's a beautiful woman and it's just like why is everybody hating on her? Because she's just not... It's the whole classism thing. And it is nice that they do play it fairly straight. You get your weird things that happen here and there and subtle comedy, as I've said, but it, it, it does the job. And sometimes you want that. Sometimes you don't want anything super amazing that's super dark or super dystopic or super whatever. You just want something that's comfort food. And this is what I would consider comfort anime or comfort manga. It was something that 20 years ago I would always read, you know, when a new volume came out. And I got about where episode 15 or 16, where the second season would have gotten to. She goes to a second household and gets all that. It does start to feel a bit long, so I will say that much. Between Eleanor as a character not really being a character because she's just there as the arranged marriage, because you already know that Emma and William should be together, but now you just have to wonder why Richard is being such a dick about it and then letting his son do it. They actually do explain that which is good. So Richard has his reasons, and they actually spend a couple episodes going over that, which is very nice. So even in the midst of 26 episodes feeling a bit long, they still give you enough meat on the bones that they don't feel like they're just spinning their wheels. So I would rather they have 26 episodes and at least try to fill the time rather than it absolutely feeling like filler. The only time it feels like filler is when you bounce around from William likes Emma, but then he likes Eleanor. Then he has to do this and do that, you know, that stupid thing because he has no choice and whatever. And then you realize you go right back around and then you see the symbolism and the callbacks. And then you think, okay, they're getting to the end and they don't really have anything else to say. They finish it on the proper note. I don't know. I'm pretty sure a 15, 16, 17 episode show would have done fine. I think a 13 episode show would have felt crammed, but I also think given the premise and given what you're going for, 13 would have been just fine. Um, And again, most of the characters are fine. There's no real antagonist other than Richard, but even then he goes from a place that he's understandable 
it's just that you have to have an antagonist for this sort of thing, and then you realize that Eleanor, as a character, is not like she's nothing. She's like Princess Peach getting kidnapped by Bowser all the time. She's just a thing. And this was before Princess Peach became funny, you know, became like, oh, she has some story. It's that sort of thing. She's just a token person. And it's really contrasted by the fact that Emma is everything but a token person. So you feel for Emma more than anybody else, which you should. A lot of shows have a have a trouble of making a protagonist feel useful, and they try to make them so um, amazing and bombastic and whatever. Emma is not like that. Emma is very subtle and very well-to-do and well-meaning, but you still understand why she is the way she is, and you root for her the entire time. But she always does things the right way. There's no crossword she ever says, despite the fact that everything around her seems to be so stupid and so wrong. And you just think, well, why doesn't she get a bone thrown her way every once in a while? And that's kind of what the show is doing, is telling you a story of this person who's been shit on by life, and it succeeds in the end because she was um, the best person in the room at the time. And not, not not in a bad, annoying way. She's not conniving. She's not evil. She's just trying to do the best she can. And I think that's another thing the show does well is giving you the reasons why characters are the way they are. I mentioned uh, Mr. Jones before. He's doing it out of spite, but he's also doing it from a place of understanding. So it doesn't come off as amazingly spiteful like a complete villain would Hakeem isn't being a complete douchebag friend just to be a douchebag friend for comedy's sake he has a reason for doing a thing he's there to kick William in the balls every time he's being a putz you know so everybody has a reason so that's where I would say Emma shines is the characters the characters the setting the just the faces a lot like dot hack sign focusing on the faces and how you can tell a story just by small subtle words and phrases and then focusing on what their eyes are telling you and what their faces are telling you and what their body language is so if you're looking for something like that if you're kind of in the mode for a victorian setting show done in an anime aesthetic emma's really good um, it was on Funimation for a while. Hopefully Crunchyroll picked it up when they did the merger. I don't know where it would be, but it was fairly recent. Like, I watched this last year. So if you do have access to a subversion, if you have access to the manga, if you've even heard about the show, it, it's, it was a good time. It was something that was always grabbing me and propelling me forward despite telling me a familiar story. And sometimes that sort of comfort done in a good way can be useful but that'll do it for me this week and next week is going to be legend of mana um once again i'm going to try and do final fantasy 4 the following time i have to do uh, i have uh, my family coming up as of recording the the week after this so on tuesday so i had to do this recording early so the week after i'm going to record uh, legend of mana we're going to do shadow's house talked about victorian setting this one a lot darker sensibility a lot more going on with its story so there's a little bit more to dig into there and the next week after shadow's house i'll see if i can line up my guest for the final fantasy 4 review if not we'll do donkey kong country 
And that's a that's again one of those retro franchises I've been meaning to do. I've done Metal, I've done Mega uh, Mega Man, I've done Metal Gear. Now it's time to do Donkey Kong Country. But that'll do it all for me. And I hope you guys have enjoyed a nice shorter episode for a change. But I'll see you guys next time. Citizen Strive signing off.